Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Coming up on DTNS, do we need augmented reality with our television shows? Phone form factors keep trying to impress us, but do they? And why it actually makes sense for Microsoft to acquire TikTok. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, August 26th, 2020 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And triumphantly back at Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane. Salt Lake City, I'm Scott Johnson. And I'm Roger Chang, the show's producer. Uh, we just uncovered the secret history of Captain Crunch. If you want that and more, <laughs> uh, you got to become a member. Patreon.com slash DTNS and get the full show. Good day, Internet. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Xiaomi reported its profit more than doubled in Q2, and overseas sales have returned to pre-pandemic levels. Revenue rose 3.1% in the quarter ending June 30th, while sales rose to 53.54 billion won, or 7.77 billion U.S. dollars. Smartphone revenue fell 1.2% overall, but sales of premium phones overseas rose 99.2% on the year. Xiaomi is relying more on overseas sales as in India as it's... uh, as it fights Huawei for sales in China to find out who's number one. Microsoft announced general availability of immersive reader from Azure Cognitive Services, which lets developers embed text reading and comprehension capabilities into apps. Immersive reader is designed to help users with dyslexia, disc, uh, dis, I can never say this right. Dysgraphia. Dysgraphia, is that how you say it? All right. And ADHD. It has features like reading text aloud while highlighting words, optimized font spacing, and syllable breaks. Google released Chrome 85 with 10% faster page loads thanks to Profile Guided Optimization, or PGO. PGO lets the most performance-critical parts of code run faster. Google says this should be especially helpful when you have many tabs open or multiple programs running. You can also now collapse and expand tab groups to save some space in your tab strip, and Chrome 85 will block you from downloading EXEs and APKs over HTTP if the page itself is secured with HTTPS. Progressive web apps can also now create app shortcuts on Chrome and Windows. 
In Apple's upcoming iOS 14, apps will need to ask permission of users before they can collect the Apple Device Identifier, or IDFA. This is how many ad networks, including the Facebook Audience Network, tracks users to target ads. Facebook sent a warning to developers that use the Facebook Audience Network for ad revenue, saying revenue could drop by 50% or more, and may no longer make sense for Facebook to offer the audience network for iOS 14. We'll try to needle Apple developers while they're mad at Apple for other reasons. That's interesting. Yeah, poking poking the mad horse. DJI announced the new OM4 camera stabilization product. OM4 now features a magnetic attachment system, an adhesive or side-on, excuse me, slide-on accessory attaches to the phone to enable a magnetic attachment. The gimbal has multiple upgraded shooting modes, and a upgrade to the active track to better distinguish between subjects, including people and their pets. Gesture control comes from DJI's drones as well. The OM4 is available now for $150 US. And Android Authority published a video of LG's forthcoming phone, the Wing. The Wing is a dual screen phone with each screen on top of the other, so the top one can rotate open into a T shape. And yes, LG had a feature phone that did this like back in the early to mid 2000s. In the uh, video that Android Authority published, the lower screen can show controls like a keyboard, while the main phone in the horizontal mode shows your main thing like your browser or your map. LG has yet to confirm the device. Well, speaking of phones that, uh, I don't know, we're getting creative here. Asus's Zenfone 7 and 7 Pro feature a more durable version of its rotating rear camera that can flip over to take selfies, but now also includes an extra zoom lens as well as an OLED display and a 90 uh, hertz refresh rate. It still has the 5,000 milliamp battery, uh, which is very good. The phone is on sale in Taiwan with the Zenfone 7 at 21,990 new Taiwan dollars, which is around 749 US dollars, and the Zenfone 7 Pro at 27,990 new Taiwanese dollars, which is around US $953. The phones will come to select European markets September 1st, with pricing yet to be announced. I okay, so the Zenfone feature isn't new, but they said they made it like twice as durable. Uh, so instead of 100,000 flips of the camera, it's 200,000. But that idea that I would get the same camera, selfie or front-facing, uh, or rear-facing, I guess, uh, is is cool. I like that. It, yeah. More moving parts makes me nervous, you know? But I, I do like the idea that, oh, I don't have to have a notch. I don't have to compromise on my selfie camera being any different than my other camera. Uh, it didn't really like light the world on fire with the Zenfone 6, uh, so maybe, I, you know, a little OLED and 90 hertz refresh rate probably isn't going to change that. But maybe the more durability will. I don't know. This is a good phone. It's well reviewed. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think the folks who were sort of like, well, you want a rear and a front facing. I mean, what really ever took advantage of that besides a couple of apps that, you know, were able to, you know, take a photo, you know, front and back at the same time or video kind of thing. A fun novelty, but most people don't use a phone that way. So to have a single camera that works in the array that you wanted to, that is, you know, of high quality, that does make a lot of sense as long as it doesn't, you know, you know, pinch off in your pocket. Yeah, I agree. I also, I mean, this is a side note, but I don't like it when these guys tell me how many times I can do a thing or how many charges I can charge a thing, even though it's astronomical numbers, 200,000 times, a lot of times. 
I hate knowing there's a finite number or a close to finite don't number. Don't tell him the odds. I really don't. I hate that. I would much rather believe. Just make me believe it will forever. It'll last you know, a long time. Yeah. yeah, and I don't have to think about it anymore because then I'll just think of that number. Did I do that five times today? Oh, crap. I wonder what that does to my total. It's just my brain. I'll admit it, but I don't like it. I, well, I, lost I don't a think little you're alone the, there. No, yeah. no, I don't think he's alone either. Yeah. Yeah, well, I lost a little of the thread of my thought there because I meant to say I really like the Zenfone flip over camera thing as an idea. The LG wing, on the other hand. I just, <laughs> Not I, so much. I okay. got nothing. I don't know why. I mean, I l- listen, the 10 second video that I saw um, of it being, uh, you know, uh, um, in a car, I was like, well, that's kind of nice. If you don't have a car that has kind of a, you know, in-screen display that would do a lot of that stuff already, and a lot of cars don't yet. So mm-hmm. sure, but uh yeah, it it is it is a rotating nightmare to me. Mm. Just put your regular phone in landscape mode in your car. Like I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, well, right. Time time will tell if anyone wants that thing. Uh, the web version of Microsoft Word for Microsoft 365 subscribers is getting a record and transcription feature at no additional charge. New features are always nice. Users can either record audio or upload an audio file and then have it transcribed. Live audio will be transcribed within moments, while uploads may take a little bit longer, depending on the length of that recording. Users can transcribe unlimited live audio and five hours a month of uploaded audio files. Microsoft plans to expand the feature to phones and tablets, but has not mentioned plans to add it to any desktop version of Word. Yeah, it but takes the- as long as the length of the recording. So if you'd upload a five-minute recording, it's, it's basically going to play it. So it's going to take five minutes. Whereas if you're talking, it can it can transcribe on the fly. Uh, and this is nifty. I mean, granted, you're not really getting it for free because you have to pay for Microsoft 365. But if you're already paying for Microsoft 365, which most Word users at this point probably are, uh, then you've got a, a cool new feature that, that you can add to your web version. Uh, and, and it's not as feature-rich as, say, an auto AI or, or something dedicated to this. But in the context of, oh, now it's built into Word and I can you know take some quick notes or something, I think it's handy. It's also it's the kind of feature that I immediately picture a business guy running through the airport, sitting down, having a little time between flights, and saying stuff into his phone that he will transcribe and send off to his secretary while he's flying to you know Ohio for the next convention or something, which isn't happening a lot right now. Man. But you know what it, like, For some unfortunate reason, that put the uh, O.J. Simpson Hertz commercial in my. <laughs> oh, no. What have oh, I done? Well, uh, all right. <laughs> all right I probably shouldn't have even brought it up. I apologize. <laughs> uh, Chromium is the code underlying most browsers, uh, Google's Chrome, Microsoft Edge, Opera, and more. And Chromium has a feature called the Intranet redirect detector. It checks to see if an ISP is using non-existent domain results to deliver pages with ads. Now, they're not just doing this because you don't like those pages with ads. This is to prevent unnecessary drop-down choices in the address bar when your company internet has a site and your ISP is pretending like that's also a site on the web. Because the way the address bar works is like, oh, there's a legitimate site out there called marketing.com and you are also have an intranet site in your business called marketing which one do you want right so there might be stuff like you know human resources dev and if your isp is like we're any any domain name that doesn't exist we're going to deliver a page with ads for then everything you put for your intranet would give you that drop down which would be an extra click so that's what this feature is for to say like oh wait a minute if we realize that those are fake websites and it's just a page of ads we're not going to give you the drop down we'll just take you straight to your intranet site that's cool right Mm -hmm. 
to yeah. make that happen, Chromium has to try three unregistered domains to see if it gets a page or not. And then it'll know, oh, okay, we have to we have to adapt to that. However, for ISPs that are not hijacking unregistered domains, it's trying those three domains and having to go all the way through the domain name system, the DNS, which we talked about on Know a Little More uh, last week, uh, to the root server. Because there won't be a locally cached record of the domain because it doesn't exist. Uh, That means that the top-level root servers are getting crushed with Chromium traffic from people using Chromium that don't even know this feature exists that aren't on an intranet. Ars Technica Mm. notes that VeriSign statistics indicate this adds half the total load on root servers. An open bug in the Chromium project requests making the intranet redirect detector be off by default that way if your isp doesn't deliver these fake uh pages with ads or if you're not somebody using an intranet you don't send a bunch of traffic to the root domain name servers i I don't have a ton of questions other than i think you did a really good job of explaining that and that's a boring topic i don't mean (laughs) it's a great topic for the show i've said this before the show and i'll say it now great topic perfect for tech news but tom has a way of taking the mundane of the daily tech news and making it interesting. So I well, just want to and, say, and uh, also yeah. the takeaway is like this should be off by default to yes. you know to cut down on everyone being like, what is happening right now? You know, with this browser that's supposed to be really great. So there you go. Yep. Uh, Bloomberg sources say Apple plans to add augmented reality content to a uh, to its com- or sorry as a companion to its Apple TV Plus TV shows. So some of that programming over there, characters or objects uh, from the shows would be overlaid on the real world as seen through your phone. Uh, as an example, of you or for all mankind could see a lunar rover on their coffee table, that sort of thing, uh, when they're looking through their phone or their iPad. We were talking before the show, this is very likely precursor stuff to maybe a future headset that's been rumored forever anyway. And that's maybe the more interesting implementation yeah. than your phone in a room somewhere. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, <clears throat> I hate to be, you know, be like, oh, this sounds stupid. And and I love VR. Like, I'm a VR enthusiast. AR, almost like I need more, I don't know, I, I, I need it to be proven a little bit more to me. I'm sort of like, okay, well, I watch a lot of content on my Apple TV. You know, I, I'm in the Apple ecosystem in many ways. Uh, I sometimes airplay things from my phone to my, uh, Apple TV again, you know, that kind of thing. So AR, like, what am I getting exactly? Like information about the actors who might be in a particular show that I'm watching. Oh, yeah. It could be delivered nicely, but it could be just like one of these things where it's like, we did it cause we could. And everyone's like, no one asked for this. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. Well, and that, that's the thing. This is. Bloomberg and Mark Gurman, who has good sources, uh, saying this, it's not there yet. So we don't know what they have. Apple's usually pretty good about not launching a feature unless there's at least a story they can tell about why you would want it. Uh, So launching this before there's a headset... I'm very curious to see what they're going to say. Like, oh, you could you could see the director's commentary, and through your phone, you'll see the director standing there talking to you. Or, or maybe there is additional 
content to the plot that happens off your television screen and in your room. That might be fun. All of those things feel like, going back to what you said, Scott, feel better if you actually had a headset on rather than having to hold up your phone or your iPad. Yeah, but there, there is one case uh, where, and I was thinking about this before the show, and I've, it's, it's formulated a little better in my mind how I could envision it. But let's say you're watching something that's very special effects oriented. And on screen is some sort of huge monstrous creature that's clearly been built out of CGI or something to be able to pause the movie because you'd want to do that. That's the other thing is you don't want to miss the movie or the TV show you're watching. Right, right. And then look at my table and see a fully formed model of that object. And then I can kind of look around it and. And and then if I go around the back, I see the back's missing, and there's text there that says, "Since the back of the monster was never shown, it was uh-huh. never actually it was never rendered." But then it gets interesting. Then I'm like, "Ooh, the info I never would have heard otherwise." That yeah, I could get in some extra features, documentary style or something. But I don't know that some of that stuff appeals to me. The AR is good enough on phones that you'd get the kind of fidelity and quality quality that you're looking for. But ultimately, it still feels like a precursor to I want this on my head. And I want it to be small and I want it to be unobtrusive and just kind of a natural flow while I'm watching things. And maybe that's uh, what they're- I think I figured it out. I think I cracked it. Mm. Clothing and furniture. When you're watching For All Mankind set in the, <laughs> the 60s and you're like, man, that's a cool retro coffee table. <laughs> I uh, love, wonder what it I would look like in my house. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you just I, told them how to monetize it. That's not. We just give them more reason to make money. Yeah. Well, now Hubble will know. Why do they ever said. come out with any technology, right? But <laughs> also, you know, for anybody who's sort of like, but why would they come out with a technology a, a year plus ahead of, a, you know, an AR headset? Let's say that's happening. Yeah. Right. right? I mean, it's a little bit like uh, before the Apple Watch. There were a lot of things that a phone could do. And people kind of got used to that, but it was maybe a little bit cumbersome. And then it was like, now we have this new gadget that makes all the things that you want to do better, better. Mm, Yeah. So I think there's, you you build up the appetite for it. That's exactly. Well, um, did anyone remember Fortnite (laughs) in this show to date? Never heard of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I know the new season of Fortnite still exists. Everybody arrives on August 27th, uh, highly anticipated, but because Apple is blocking Fortnite from the app store, the new season can't be added to existing iOS versions of the game. And Epic seems to have decided not to update macOS versions either. As a result, Epic will no longer let folks <clears throat> Pardon me. Playing on iOS or macOS crossplay with other versions of Fortnite, they'll be able to con- uh, continue to play against each other. But again, cross-platform gets weird. Yeah. So fracturing of the worlds. You can, if you're in the Apple ecosystem, you can play with each other on the old season. If you're not, you can play with each other across all the other platforms: Windows, Xbox, etc., Android. Um, I, I'm sure there might be a reason where Epic said, "Look." We could put this in the macOS version because technically we don't go through the App Store, but that legally might be fraught with peril because it would, you know, uh, put us in danger of a developer agreement, and it's already dangerous enough. I do think it it feels like they're they're just saying like, well, you know, if Apple's going to be like this about the way we're being, uh, then we're just not going to let anybody get the new season on on anything. Um, but that said, given that. I mean, Epic could change this anytime they want. They could take away the alternate payment system from Fortnite and Apple will unblock it. So you can decide who you want to blame. But given that Fortnite isn't uh, available to be updated for the new season through the Apple App Store, cutting it off from the rest of the platform seems like the only choice. You don't want to have 
people wandering into each other in two different seasons. The messed up thing about this in my mind is that on the PC side, well, actually in the, in the cross platform uh, ability of the, of the game since its inception, that was one of their big spearheaded ideas. They were like, good luck. We're going to, we're going to get away from this idea of these walled separate gardens. Everybody in PS4 is playing PS4 people. Everybody on PC is playing PC. We're going to make it work with everybody. And a lot of people didn't believe it would work, but it did. You had phone people playing with PC people and, and, and everything else in between. This feels like going back on their own, you know, big idea that everything should be in one big pile, one server to serve them all sort of idea. And instead they've had to, I mean, this means they've literally had to set up virtual servers or actual servers to run older versions of the, of the build in Mm -hmm. in the meantime. And that's just, it's weird compared to what their plans were. Yeah. Which means they are at least trying to support the players on Apple who, who still have the app on their phones and, and not, they could have just said, well, you're, you're out of luck. Complain to yeah. Apple, right? So they, they yeah. did go that far. Uh, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Andrew Ross Sorkin and Mike Isaac from the New York Times published an in-depth look at how Microsoft got pulled into possibly buying part or all of TikTok. Uh, It's been going on longer than you think, according to their sources, and they have like a dozen more sources. The U.S. Committee on Foreign Investment began an investigation into ByteDance in November. We talked about this last November on DTNS. What we didn't know is that ByteDance investors Sequoia and General Atlantic began acting then as go-betweens with ByteDance, the company they're investing in, and the U.S. administration. What they 
determined was the U.S. said it wanted ByteDance to reduce its ownership in TikTok, restructure corporate governance, that's something the U.S. successfully got ZTE to do, and move all the U.S. data to U.S.-based servers. Remember, TikTok says that all the data is on U.S. servers, but it's also backed up in Singapore. They're like, nope, no more Singapore, all of it in U.S. So ByteDance turned to Microsoft as a U.S. partner, not under antitrust scrutiny, that could help them meet those conditions. Plus, ByteDance CEO Zhang Yiming is a former Microsoft engineer. Talks with Microsoft began in July, so before all this stuff broke, and in part began, and in part because of U.S.-China tensions, Microsoft and ByteDance We're talking about Microsoft taking a minority investment. They're like, an acquisition would probably uh, not fly. It would bring too much attention. Microsoft really just hoped to get TikTok off Google Cloud and onto Azure, as I've been saying. This would fulfill the U.S. conditions. ByteDance would be reducing their investment. They could probably do the government restructure without Microsoft, but then Microsoft would help them move all the data into the U.S. Reduced ownership by ByteDance and U.S. data on U.S. Azure servers would be the thing that would be a win-win for ByteDance and Microsoft. So it looked like everything was just a matter of dot and I's and cross and T's. But as talks went on, Microsoft realized the advantage of owning TikTok and especially TikTok data. That TikTok data would be especially beneficial for Microsoft's data science arm in training machine learning, as well as a benefit to Microsoft's advertising business. Don't forget, they sell ads on MSN and Bing and other things. They make about $7 million off of advertising. So the two companies started to see an acquisition as maybe a cleaner option after all. In that scenario, Microsoft would let TikTok run as a standalone unit, similar to how LinkedIn and Mojang, Mojang which makes Minecraft, run right now under Microsoft. They would just buy TikTok and let it do its thing. On July 31st, the Committee on Foreign Investment Analysis was done, and the recommendation at that time was that ByteDance be ordered to sell TikTok to a U.S. owner, and they had one ready, Microsoft. Chinese shareholders would only be allowed to keep a minority investment, and that's what ByteDance wanted. They're like, we'll sell it to TikTok, we'll just keep a small cut of it. And this seemed to fit into the Microsoft ByteDance plans perfectly. However, the president and many of his advisors wanted to go farther and instead decided to ban TikTok entirely. The president called Sachin Adela, gave him 45 days to complete a deal, which has now been extended, but at the time, that's what happened, adding that ByteDance should retain no ownership now and the deal should benefit the government some way, such as job creation or other economic benefits, if not a payment into the treasury somehow. Now, this article also says Oracle is now interested Uh, that many bankers and investors have tried to get Twitter and Netflix involved. So if you've heard Twitter's name, that might be why. It may not be that Twitter's interested. It's that people are trying to get them interested. But Microsoft Microsoft is still the furthest along in these acquisitions or these talks. So I read this Times article, and the part that that really was educational for me was um, I've been trying to figure out since the lawsuit was filed against the administration um, what the motivation was. Is that standard? Is that... TikTok's way of going, ah, we got to fight it somehow. Or, you know, I, did, I just didn't know. I don't follow this stuff I know, to know for sure. But in that article, it made it pretty clear that 45 days is not a lot of time to do anything uh, in, in regards to the transference of ownership of gigantic. And it's since been extended properties. to 90 days, which still isn't a lot of time. Still not a lot of time. Like, even in the tiny companies I've worked for before, 
the time frames are either needed to be fluid or if there was a deadline, sometimes it meant we were going to kill ourselves to get there. And, and I, and I can't imagine even in 90 days how this is going to go at all smoothly. So my biggest takeaway from all of this is I think there's a solution. Someone's going to, this is, this is going to end up happening and Microsoft's probably going to be where it ends up. All of that stuff that everybody's predicting is probably true. I just don't think they've given it enough time to do it. And maybe they can still extend that. Maybe this lawsuit is a way of, well, the article argues that that may be a, a stall tactic and it yeah. may be the only one they have. So if it is, then then great. But I just think they need time. And I don't mean just TikTok. I mean, Microsoft needs time. And they, They've and, had more time than I thought they had since this started in July. Right, right. It's still well, a that's lot true. extra, though. And yeah, if they can get a temporary restraining order on the executive order while they litigate it, uh, that's all they need. They just need to say, hey, you can't enforce that executive order until we've finished our court case, even if they lose the court case and the executive order goes into effect. Right. I mean, clearly the situation is fluid and who knows at this point. I mean, it changes by the day, but it does kind of bring me back to when Microsoft was first floated as made by TikTok. I mean, a lot of us were like, what? (laughs) why when did this happen and it turns out you know there's more to the story which often happens with acquisitions that seem a little you know out of the blue so you know there's 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 more to it yeah Yeah. the talks article gets deeper into how microsoft's got a lot of stuff into their in their arsenal um, including the money to do it and also the lack of scrutiny in terms of you know uh, anti-competitiveness and all that stuff right now but they also lack severely in the social data department and so I think that's an important key thing here is that Microsoft, one of their things Microsoft really wants out of the deal, if they get the deal or what they would want, is all this social data that they can then use to build stuff. And yeah. that's what everybody wants right and, now. And that's honestly, what they want most is somebody paying for Azure or being able to show off Azure running a service as big as TikTok, right? That's number yeah. one whether they keep it or not, then the fact that they have a model with LinkedIn and Minecraft, okay, so we know how they might run it. Just let it go. You know, they, they wouldn't mess with it. That seems to have worked very well for both of those units. Uh, and then they could spin it off if they want, keep it as an Azure client. But I hadn't thought about the data science stuff, and I, ha- I definitely hadn't thought about the advertising aspect of it. That could be a huge boon for Microsoft's advertising service, which isn't small, but it's not on the level of Google and Facebook. Yeah, and in 90 days, if they can pull it off, it suddenly becomes very big. Yeah. Well, if you have thoughts on this or anything else, you can join a conversation in our Discord going on right now, 24-7, in fact. And you can join by linking to a Patreon account at patreon.com slash DTNS. Let's check out the mailbag. Oh, let's. Chris wrote in and said, I want to thank DTNS for not calling services apps. Hmm. This is something that, you know, gets Chris's goat. He he says, I occasionally hear a slip up, but other prominent publications call the many services we use apps. The Zoom app, the TikTok app. It greatly confuses users into thinking that the square on their phone contains the totality of what is encompassed in an extensive, complex services available in many sovereign territories. The app economy died with the $3 flashlight app. Remember that one? It is reminiscent of the late 1990s when people would refer to services like eBay as web pages. Chris says, I think it would be a great, no, a little more segment to help people understand a little bit more about the app on their phone being just a view, like logging into a website, into a service that has many complexities. Yeah. I mean, I try to only talk about it as an app when we're talking about it as an app, like when we're talking about, oh, they sure. would put the app on the store, that sort of thing. Uh, so, Chris, I'm, I'm with you there. It, it is more than a service. And it reminded me of explaining 
the web to Sherry Tornatori at Half Price Books in 1997. And she was like, so where is this website? And I'm like, it's out there. Like she was so used to installed software that, that mm. it was a, it had to, it was a change in perception to be like, what do you, what do you mean out there? Out where? Uh, so, this, so yeah. This is a fun one to apply to the, to the whole Fortnite mess because if you think about it, it applies yeah. there too. Not just, this is not a, not a game or an app on your phone. It's a service that that, is, that game is a window to. Yeah. And it's the same thing. So the yeah. app is blocked, but the service still exists out there. You right. just can't get to it. Yeah. Right. Uh, and also, Big Jim writes regarding companies moving their electronics factories to Mexico. Uh, Jim says, it's actually nothing new that companies are looking to do what we call short shipping. But honestly, it has little to do with the free trade agreement and more to do with lead times, accountability, and inventory reduction. China and Asia are still much cheaper to produce in. And even with the Section 301 tariffs, many suppliers to companies are simply eating the difference with the long-term goal of stabilizing the market and writing things out. What most U.S. companies are having issues with are the delays in the logistics area and the increased costs that affect their while-just-in-time models. I expect to actually see more development in South America because of this and less U.S. development in Africa in the medium term. So, so Jim is saying, look, it's, it's more about logistics. It's more about getting that stuff here fast. And when, when you're you know, in short shipping, uh, that means you get stuff here faster. Thank you, Jim. He also pointed us to a story from Freight Waves that shows U.S. imports from China are booming even during the trade war and the lockdown because people are spending less money on services like travel and eating out and more money on stuff like furniture for your home office or home improvement. Interesting. Yeah. Well, shout out to patrons at our master and grandmaster levels, including Rick Hubner, Martin Dames, and Deracia A. Daniels. Also, thanks to the one, the only Scott Johnson. Scott, <laughs> you're a busy man. What have you been up to? Well, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's brand new comics up and podcasts and all sorts of things. But I want to mention that Tom and I have been working very dil- diligently with a couple of producers on Current Geek Chronicles, which successfully funded last month, which means we are about to launch our second episode. First one was put out to sort of get people excited during the Kickstarter Second episode, all about, I don't know, beginner's guide to why wrestling is such a freak out sport for so many people and why some of us don't understand. If that sounds at all interesting to you, and I promise you it is, uh, go check it out. It'll be up there on the first and every week thereafter until the season is done. So check it out. Currentgeek.com is where to go. Subscribe to the feed. It's uh, already on your phone for a lot of you. Don't even have to worry about it. But if you haven't subscribed, get it wherever you get your podcasts. That's at currentgeek.com frogpants.com for everything else you're looking for. There's also a history of Zoom and Enhance coming and an episode mm. called From SCSI to USB. So I don't know. Yeah. You, you want to get in now and get these episodes, currentgeek.com. Uh, you can also support this show at any level and get a bunch of perks. Uh, Scott's going to be doing a live with it on the Magic Keyboard. Uh, and if you want to get his thoughts on, on living three months with the Magic Keyboard, uh, become a Patreon. You'll get it before everybody else. Patreon.com slash DTNS. If you have feedback for us, we would love to hear it. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. And if you can join us live, we'd love that too. We're live Monday through Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 20.30 UTC. And find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Justin Robert Young's in tomorrow. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. You have enjoyed this (laughs) program. 
Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.